Welcome to episode 14 of True Crime Time. I'm Megan, here in my new apartment with furry terrors, Carmen, and Banks. Hopefully, the air conditioner noise doesn't come through too strong, but I'm sure you guys will let me know. Um, So I had intended to pepper in stories throughout regular episodes, but life never goes according to plan, does it? So buckle up for close to home episode number two, an episode full of your stories that you have submitted to me that are true crime or paranormal related. Um, And let's keep those submissions coming also. Send your stories to our brand new email address, truecrimetimepodcast at gmail.com. That's truecrimetimepodcast. I said that very weird. True Crime Time Podcast, all lowercase at gmail.com. See you on the other side of this commercial. Before I jump in, there are potentially triggering topics, really in all of our stories, but especially story number one, which I'm going to give a content warning for sexual abuse. So feel free to skip ahead if you need to. Um, Story one, this person would like to remain anonymous. She writes, when I was 12 on the last day of sixth grade, there was a really bad storm. Like the storm was crazy loud and scary. I asked my mom if she could sleep with me and then my mom's husband came in. He said he was going to sleep with me. I had always hated him because he was very abusive, so I didn't want him to that night. He called out my name and I pretended to be asleep, so he would leave, but he didn't. Instead, he molested me. This became a routine thing. He would almost every night come into my room and touch me. It went on for a year. One day I told my friend S, and she told the police. They held him for one night. He said to them that he didn't do it. My mom said it wasn't true and that she didn't believe me. It crushed me. I started to self-harm and cry a lot. No one believed me except my friend S. I hated life. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which was after the incident, so I didn't think it made sense. I have always thought I had PTSD, but I know you can't self-diagnose because I'm not the pro. When it came time for trial, they said I was too unstable for court, so he got away and is living in the house right next door to me and will move in when I move out every day. I have flashbacks of those nights. It sucks, but every day I get better. Only a little, though. That is an incredibly tragic story, obviously. Um, I hope you get the hell out of that environment, as it's clearly not doing anything to help with your healing process. But also to any listener... If you ever feel like you are in a position where you feel like you want to self-harm or have even darker thoughts, please reach out to a trusted friend, family member, hotline, me, whatever. You don't have to go through it alone. That means you too, Anonymous. You can overcome it. That sucks, though. Story number two comes from Chelsea. Chelsea says, I was friends with Deborah Janelle Jeter. She and I were in prereqs at Hill College for nursing school, anatomy and physiology, microbiology, etc. She was so smart. She usually sat near the back with Starbucks in hand. She'd generally have the answers to whatever was being asked. We formed a study group, would chat about our lives. When we both got accepted into the LVN program, she ended up turning it down, said she wanted to go for her RN. During my time in the LVN program, we would meet for lunch once a week, call occasionally, or hang out at the library. 
She was in my phone as Nellie Bean. One day, I came to school and discovered the news. She and her husband were going through a divorce. She was so upset she had attempted suicide and lost temporary custody of their two girls. On the day she was granted custody again, she picked up the girls for a surprise. En route back home, Janelle stopped at an abandoned home in Covington. She brought them into the house and with a knife, trigger warning, by the way, sliced the youngest throat and attempted to cut her eldest daughter, but she fought back. She then ran out to the car, dropped her knife, and picked up her phone to call 911. The call is public and it's chilling. One of her girls survived. She eventually said her motive was that she was so miserable in the separation, she just knew the rest of her family was too. Her plan was to kill her girls, her husband, and then herself. That's a bold choice for her to make for everyone. Um, I can't imagine what it must be like to find out that your friend has done something like that. That's, that's truly terrible. I am not super familiar with that case, so I'm going to hop online, check it out a little bit. Um, and hopefully she's where she needs to be now. We move on to story number three from Sappho or Saf. I really hope I'm saying that right. Sappho writes, my ethics teacher was best friends with the daughter of a mob boss. No one knew, not even her. Well, everyone found out when the cops dragged him out in handcuffs. As it turns out, he was the boss of the local mob. He killed several people, which eventually led to his arrest. My teacher said he killed witnesses. Sappho also writes, my Spanish teacher was almost murdered by the Colombian mafia. That school sounds bananas, just as an aside. Um, she writes, my teachers never had interesting stories. Oh no, that's me. I wrote that. Eh. My teachers, honestly, they really didn't have interesting stories like that. And when I say interesting, they are, of course, horrific. But you guys know that's why we're all here. Back to Sappho. Her father was a politician who was trying to take down the mafia and expand education to reduce poverty, which is commendable. He'd become somewhat successful. She notes here um, that she can't say any more for their safety, so we're going to just keep it moving from there. Saf writes, too successful for the mafia. As my teacher and her little sister walked home from school one day, this happened when she was nine and her sister was six, they were grabbed by several men. They bound and gagged them and threw them in the back of a van. They sent a message to her father saying they'd kill them both if he didn't back down. He did back down and they all fled Colombia. They are now safe in the U.S. They started several charity efforts for education in Colombia and are involved in a lot of Hispanic heritage activities. That's a good ending. Everyone's safe. They even continue their positive efforts from here, which I think is great. It's not really often that these stories end on a high note, so that's pretty good to me. Story four. This is from Daniel, who I asked if I could use his name, but he never responded, so I hope this is okay that I used his name. He writes, On a paranormal investigation with local ghost hunters, I had my unforgettable encounter with the famous ghost, the White Lady. We stopped at a local cemetery known to be home to many spirits. I was thrilled to be at this location, and I immediately found a spot to investigate. Camera in hand, I started to take pictures. Instantly, I began having experiences. With my own eyes, I saw orbs floating around and disappearing. My hand was also caressed by an unseen being. 
I decided to sit down to collect my thoughts when my eyes caught something in the distance. It moved in and out, and for a second, I lost sight of it, when all of a sudden my camera started rewinding itself. Looking down at my camera, I know you had to use the pen tip to push the button in to make it rewind, and no, um, I had pictures left over. Okay, I get it. So he had pictures left over, so he wasn't sure why his camera was rewinding. Looking back up, to my surprise was a half-transparent figure. I could tell she was wearing an evening gown from the early 1900s. I saw detailed embroidery on the bottom of her gown, but I was having a hard time seeing the upper half of her. Shocked at what I was witnessing, I ran to find the group. I never revealed to them my unexpected meeting with the lady in white. However, I always have the regret of running away from her and not helping her cross over. That is terrifying. I have questions. Why didn't you tell anybody? Except for us, of course. I just feel like that's something that you should share with your group. And I don't think I would ever stop telling people about that because that's very scary. I don't like that. Also, feel free to write back in with more paranormal investigation adventures, please. Story five is actually from my own family. Um, My cousin, Alex, actually told it to me on the 4th of July in the dark for edit effects. Just kidding. I asked her if she had any stories that she would be comfortable with me sharing, and she told me this one, thinking she had told me before, but I'm pretty sure I had never heard it before. So I'm going to try to do it justice and remember all the important parts because she didn't write it down for me. Um, Here we go. When she was little, her mom, so my aunt, worked in a white magic store. There was a door in the back, um, a kind of sectioned off area, from the rest of the store, it was open to the public. It had other merchandise back there. But the lighting was a bit different. It was a little more private. While she worked there, weird things started to happen. Alex, that's again my cousin, told me she was sleeping in her mom's bed one night. Not at the store, somewhere else. Um, she heard someone calling her name over and over. She tried to wake up her mom, but by then the sound had stopped. They both heard at different times what sounded like a child crying, and Alex just got weird vibes. Alex told me she once went in her hall closet in her house and found kind of like a dated stuffed animal. It was a purple dog or something made out of like a windbreaker kind of material. So probably kind of like an 80s toy, maybe early 90s. She brought it to her mom and asked what it was. And her mom was a little freaked out. She was like, where did you get that? She told her not to touch it. Um, The stuffed animal was removed at that point from the house. Alex also relayed how on one specific occasion, when she was visiting the store, she got super uncomfortable in the back section and actually moved away from her mom because she had a bad feeling. As far as I remember, they both heard things from that area in the back of the store, like a little girl laughing or a little girl crying, something like that. Come to find out, a little girl had been murdered unfortunately, very close to the back of the store and her body had been dumped in or around a nearby river. This is in Pennsylvania or New Jersey, by the way, just so you guys know. Um, so that would explain like the weirdness and the haunting of sorts, if you believe that sort of thing. I was told my aunt made a little makeshift shrine in the back of the store and all experiences stopped after that. Sounds like a creepypasta, right? It's not. She recalled these happenings with so much detail and clarity, like it only just happened, 
and it freaks me out a lot when she told me. Um, she's not like an over-imaginative person, so when she tells me things like that, you know, I tend to believe her. Um, also, when we were talking about it, I kind of asked her, because it didn't necessarily sound like a bad experience, you know, why she thought that happened, and she told me that she probably thought she was in the presence of friendly people, maybe she could make herself known, stuff like that. Anyway, that's the end of that story. I have some more creepy family stories I can throw in, but I want to hear more from you guys. What are your true crime slash paranormal experiences? This can be anything from, I don't know, your dad worked with some creepy person at the post office, which I started hearing about from my friend Michelle the other day, or um, you saw your grandma's ghost in your house, whatever you're comfortable sharing, send it to me, email it to me, and it's likely your story will be featured in an upcoming episode. Remember to find us on Instagram at True Crime Time and email True Crime Time Podcast at Gmail with your story. Lastly, if you enjoy this podcast, please give five stars, write a review, takes a second, doesn't hurt to subscribe either. And until next time, lock your doors and windows. <laughs>